<sighs> hey guys, welcome back to the <clears throat> Miscast Review. Welcome back, Miscast. Um, this is uh, Jake, and I am Donovan, and we are your hosts for this uh, podcast. This lovely um, afternoon. Is that it? We're, no, wait, it's 10. It feels <laughs> like it's the afternoon. It does. It's because it's so hot out. I'm, afternoon vibe. No, dude, but I know. It doesn't um, have afternoon guys, please stay out cool. Stay, bleh, stay cool out there. Drink some water. Yeah, we got excessive heat warnings going on mm. and stuff. It's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, Jake, what is going on in the world of movie news? <laughs> because I, I I really had something I wanted to uh, bring up. If you Oh, seriously? I did, yeah. Well, I mean, do you want to get to that first? or do you I, I would. It, and I mean, I guess it's not news so much. Well, it's partly news and then partly how people react to the news. Okay. Um, so people are really... Uh, well, first of all, have you seen that new, the trailer for uh, the new Wonka movie? Yes. Okay. Doesn't seem like people are, are loving it, man. Really? Dude, everyone is like, and I, I like, obviously, of course, like, I thought it looked corny. And uh-huh. I'm just like, okay, whatever, like, because, you know, I, you know my rule with, you know, trailers, not watch. You, I, yeah, you, know, you don't I, watch them. Unless I'm not going to even watch the movie. Right. Um, so this one I didn't really care, like, to see, because I was like, I'm not really, you know, I don't care to see Wonka, really, like. Um, and then I, like, look in the comments, and, I and like, all the people, yeah, this is on TikTok, okay. and all these people are, like, making their own video, and they're, like, just, like, making fun of the part where he's like, strike that, reverse it, because... <laughs> <laughs> about that dude it's it was so uncomfortable when i saw that he's he's like prepare to like come down and and listen or he's like come up and listen down oh strike that reverse it and then i'm like why is he acting like he's just like a a a street crackhead right now yeah like that was weird well and i get like and I, I hate this in movies so much man where they'll try they'll take like one thing that a character said from like yeah. the past like couple movies that they were in and then they'll make it like the catchphrase or whatever so then like when they put it in the trailer everyone's like oh like you know he said that like he said the in thing. the other movie he said yeah. the thing but the thing what like you know think of like the uh you want to get nuts let's get nuts oh god that, dude yeah that's that was rough Wait, did you have you? Sorry, side note. Did you see the Flash? I didn't end up seeing the Flash. Did you? Yeah, I did. Was it was it all right? Uh, the first act was <clears throat> fine. Okay. The second act, actually, super good. Mm. I was like, in the second act, I was like, okay, oh shit, like this is like we're getting some, like this is fun, like I this has potential. Yeah. And then the third act was. Oh man, it was crazy, in not a good way. Oh really? Was it just like multiverse like crap? In just like the worst possible ways. Oh my god! And this was like the last like movie. Why is Ezra Miller? I don't understand why they're still allowed to. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get how Warner Brothers and DC just keep like not caring what this person has done like it's not it's not just like there was like like you know offensive things said or anything like that like straight up kidnapping. child kidnapping it's like 
beating the living hell out of a woman on the sidewalk. It's like oh pretty gnarly stuff okay. that they did. I will say this, though. Um, maybe it's just me, but it seems like <clears throat> Hollywood and the general like zeitgeist surrounding celebrities are more forgiving like for people who have done physical shit in the yeah. past. Um, two examples just off the top of my head, Mark Wahlberg. And I I, I love Marky Mark, but, yeah. you know, he has a horrible past. Yeah. Horrible. Oh, it's, uh, period. it's pretty bad. I just don't know. What a weird, like, strangely specific prejudice to have. Like, <laughs> Vietnamese. It's so randomly specific. It's yeah. very odd. <laughs> and then, the, like, the one dude, for those of you who don't know, um, Mark Wahlberg, uh, there was, uh, like, a, a thing when he was a teenager, young adult, like, early 20s. I think he was, um, like, 22. Yeah, he was really something young. something like that. It was a long time ago, but still, it was, you know, still awful. Um, and uh, he basically uh, assaulted a, I, I believe he was Vietnamese. Yeah, I think um, so. I I know that that um, both of the, the the two people that he assaulted in this story. There's another one coming. Um, <laughs> they were both the same uh, uh, Asian ethnicity. Um, yeah. So uh, anyway, he hit one guy, and then he's like running, and he finds this other dude, this other uh, Vietnamese guy, and he's like, "I need a place to hide." And yeah. the guy's like, "Sure, I got you." And then, like, he lets him hide while, like, you know, the cops or whoever are looking for him for punching the first guy. And then he, like, I think he, like, hits this guy with, like, a piece of wood, like, in the back or something. Just, like, yeah. something really yeah. effed up, like, it's out of nowhere. Um, and oh, damn, my jaw was on the on the floor when I was reading the story. I, know, I, was, I was like, like what? what? I was like, no, Mark, world? it can't be true. Like, yeah, this but, is ridiculous. Um, and then, uh, you know, Chris Brown beating the hell out of Rihanna. And again, I know it happened when, you know, he was younger, but still, it seems like, like people forget these things. Yeah. Like really easily. Um, and then, you know, if you, if, if you, you know, say something then, which is also bad, but people seem to kind of latch onto that a little. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of in timeout for longer. Yeah. It's, it's definitely an interesting thing um, to think about some sort of psychologist out there can uh, deconstruct that i would why that why that is that. um but sorry about the whole tangent what, what what were you saying before i got into the flash oh um oh catchphrases oh yeah something yeah yeah, yeah. so um okay so when he says the thing that oh, yeah wonka i forgot sorry. so the wonka literally just says that one time offhand it was like Is if, it in a Charlie in the Chocolate Factory or like a Willy Wonka in, in the, the first one? Gene Wilder. Oh, like, he just was, says that. At a he random just says point? it, and he doesn't say it like he's like you know like he's touched in the head, you know. Yeah. He says it like he's like you know he messes something up and he's like oh, strike that, reverse it, and then uh, Timothy Chalamet is like exaggerated, and it was I just thought strike it was that, so, reverse it, strike that, reverse it. <laughs> it's like dude. Oh. And it's, I, I think the reason it bothers me so much, though, is because it wasn't even a catchphrase. It was just some offhand just a random shit that line, he man. said in the first, 
It'd be That's like if you asked crazy. me, like, what am I drinking? And I was like, oh, I'm drinking Pineapple Monster in an El Pollo Loco cup. Yeah, and fast then you, like, forward five movies, and that's, like, your go-to that's my, catchphrase. That's my, it's like, nope, that's just something I said one time right now. Yeah, I didn't even, I've never even thought about it since. It's really... I didn't even know that was a line that was said in the original. Because it was that not unimportant. Well, it, like, exactly. nuts, let's get nuts. Like, that's, like, it's that's very iconic. Yeah. iconic. Like, yeah. you know that's, like, his thing. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's an yeah, intense yeah. scene. It's a memorable moment, you know? That... I don't even know. I couldn't tell you what part of the movie that's from. Dude, like, was... I had no clue that that was ever even said because it was just, it was just a, a regular moment. There was nothing there special about it. Yeah, exactly. You know? And do you know, is this supposed to be... Is he supposed to be Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka because he just stole that lame-ass quote that he did? Or is he supposed to be Johnny Depp's Willy Wonka because he looks like him? Or is it In which just, case, why did he say the, the strike that reverse it beats? Yeah. Or is it just its own thing? Like, it does. it's not a prequel to it's either like of those. Wonka multiverse. I know. We're going to have a... <laughs> we're going to have a Willy Wonka crossover event. And it's like the all three of them are going to have to team up with all their Oompa Loompas <laughs> to, like, fight, like, the FDA or something. <laughs> To fight OSHA. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That'd be crazy. But no, I mean, if it was going to tie into either of those two, it would would have to be the Gene Wilder. I I feel like. Well, I mean, so that character is dead to me. No, I'm just kidding. But, man, that's that's just, I I don't like that. Well, I I'll see it and I'll report back of what ha- what it what it is. Thank you for yeah. Because yeah, I, I really don't I'm gonna end up I try and see everything that comes out. So uh-huh. I was I was gonna see it regardless if I wanted to or not. So he's like he's like what kind of chocolate do you like? Milk, dark, white? Oh, I can concoct it. And he like starts taking out his like chemistry <laughs> set, and I'm like, I'm like no, like Wonka isn't like he's not like. It's he's not like a mad scientist. Yeah, he's I mean definitely mad. Yeah, the mad part. But he's a mad chocolatist. He's a yeah. He's not. I don't know. I just don't really think they have like the the spirit of the character quite right. Yeah, I I can totally see that. But I mean, okay, maybe in the well, if it's gone off the book, I haven't read the book in so long. Was he supposed to be like a mad scientist type guy in the book? I didn't even know there was a book. Oh yeah, it's like one of the most famous books ever, by what? like by Roald Dahl, who wrote like James and the Giant Peach, and lots of other stuff. Um, Whoa! He wrote that Big Fish movie. That's also Tim that Tim Burton also directed. I had no idea. Oh, oh well, <laughs> that's crazy! Every day. Wow! I yeah, you okay. learn something every day. That's exactly right. Well, um, do you have any movie news? Uh, yeah, actually, I okay. do have a couple of things. Let me just break out my show notes here. What's the camera doing? Oh, we're good. Um, yeah, so I got I got a couple things here. Okay. Firstly, so if do you remember? I think it was in the Spider Verse episode we talked about um, John Wick Chapter Five was in the works. Okay. Yeah. Well. I guess that was some 
like just I don't know what happened there because now Stalinsky and Keanu Reeves have come out and said they're not sure about a chapter five. Oh, okay. You know? Okay. So I guess it's not in the works. <laughs> oh, okay. Well then it's yeah. It's, it's just they're still like it's throwing the idea the around. Dude, I feel like people like misuse and butcher that phrase so much they'll you know, someone will like mention something like one time and they'll be like, Oh, you know, this is in the works. Yeah, it's like someone asked Delinsky, he's like, Are you guys gonna do a chapter five? He's like, I mean maybe, I don't know and it's like yeah. the headlines like John Wick chapter five, greenlit, coming out <laughs> August twenty twenty six you know, like just that's Dude, how they take it. I so, yeah, so Yeah, he came out again and they said that it they're still unsure about it. But we are getting the, the, the movie with Ana de Armas, right? Yeah, it's we're like getting the, Ballerina okay. and the the show about the um, the hotel. Continental. Yeah, the Continental. Yeah, I am more than so, fine with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't I, like I I was perfect with John Wick Four, you know. Oh yeah, me too. It's I mean I don't know how they can beat it, um, but yeah, that was it's perfect. John Wick is confirmed to be alive. Wait, what? Technically, how? So, there was an alternate ending that they had shot where you see Keanu looking out at the funeral, and John Wick is, like, alive, standing there, Uh and then they were doing um, screenings for test audiences to see how it was, like, going, and the test audiences preferred the more ambiguous ending that we ended up getting where you're not sure if he's alive or dead. But the fact that there's a scene that shows that he's standing there kind of proves that he's alive. I feel like... Have you seen um, game theories or film theories video uh-huh. on... Okay, so... I like I kind of thought that before I saw that, but that kind of like like compartmentalized my general like belief that John Wick can't like really die. Yeah. So already... Um, and we need to, we should do a John Wick episode. Um, Definitely, because my God, but uh, so it's a hyper realistic universe. So like, pr- like pretty much like whenever you watch it, you can tell like okay, this is like kind of different than like you know normal, you know like a like a normal like uh, environment. Like it just kind of everyone yeah. like everything is like. It's just kind of, I feel like it's like, if, you know, we're like reality one, I feel like that would be like reality like one A. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, exactly. But, um, no, like a lot of, with like a lot of the damage John Wick takes, um, I mean like when he falls off the, the balcony and he like lands on the railing and I'm like, dude. dude the you... stair scene alone. Oh, that's so <laughs> rough, dude. <laughs> he but falls I... down those stairs so much. Um... But yeah, man, with that, I think that like pretty much John Wick is not uh, able to be killed or able to die. Yeah, he's the boogeyman, dude. He's yeah, he's not he's not going anywhere, man. No. Um. Let me say. Fuck! I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> dude, doesn't that suck? Oh my god. Uh, well, I can move on to the. Uh last bit of news no no no, hold on hold on no just edit this part out okay if you if you don't fucking edit this part out no because i i had something i wanted to say about um about fucking john wick and like i it just like completely like poof 
Oh, man. Oh, yeah, so <clears throat> pretty much what I was saying is that... Uh... <laughs> Did you lose it again? No. <laughs> Come on, man. No, no, I just started uh, thinking of that um, interview where Harrison Ford is like like really high and he's like trying to thank his friend like Lucy for the her or trying to congratulate his friend Lucy for winning the award and he's like hey uh, I just want to say thank you to uh, Lucy and uh, oh shit <laughs> have you have you seen that interview no, no, Dude, it's I so haven't. funny I'll, I'll check so, it out yeah, it is it, it'll be one of your favorite things to watch um no, I was going to say that, uh, so, John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. J- Mr. Wick. <laughs> John Wick is uh, obviously in a hyper-realistic universe. Yes. So, um, you have to edit this out so I, I don't keep repeating this point. Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I thought was interesting to your your point about how John Wick uh, may still be alive uh-huh. is is that when Kane shoots him, it's like in those three points where or the like where you've seen I think it's yeah he gets shot three times where you've seen he told the doctor or the doctor told John Wick to shoot him there in uh, chapter three yeah and I think there's been a couple other instances where this is obviously used as like a fake out like non-lethal like bullet wound yeah um so i mean if anything yeah i don't think that john wick died um because of you know a few measly bullets and you know no. a gut shot i i feel like it, he's already dead inside and he's just such a sad guy like yeah. he's kind of like he's already like a ghost in a way exactly i don't feel like like, I mean, I think, if anything, that we can get from the ending of Chapter 4, it's that he finally got to rest. Exactly. Similar to um, Ryan Gosling's character in Blade Runner. Yeah, exactly. And I feel well, like... Well, actually, I feel like that was a bit more positive, because, obviously, I feel like Ryan Gosling probably wanted to die. Yeah, yeah. Um, after, you know, Onodera Moss was taken away from him. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, no, I, th- I think that, uh, like... I mean, yeah, that's what I kind of took away from it. But either way, man, I don't, like, think we need another John Wick movie necessarily. No, that's exactly what I was about to say is that, like, I feel like the fact that it did end with him, like, finally getting to rest, like, what, is it worth taking him back out of that rest to, what, kill more people? Like, yeah, no, I know that's like, what... No, well, like, you'll just be retreading chapter one basically at that pretty point. much and it's like what's the point of that like just let him like finally be happy and rest you know yeah and in the meantime give you know we're getting the ballerina movie yeah. we're getting we could just get more prequel show. stuff with john wick if you really want it really want, like, yeah but like there's no way i feel like to continue <clears throat> the story where it left off but that doesn't mean they can't like keanu never ages so you could easily oh, just yeah. do like a couple prequel movies or a prequel series or something with them. And if that's what you want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, if you still want more John Wick, then I feel like that's the better way to go. I mean, just off the top of my head, I feel like they could, you know, give us one um, where, uh, what's his name, Vigo, in the first one was talking about how he's like, he's like, I gave, you know, John this task, like, so impossible. And then, like, yeah. they could just do, you know, that's like the climax where he, like, you know, kills all the 
um, whoever, uh, wh- whatever mafia family he kind of dismantles yeah. to uh, become, like, to get out of the life. Exactly, like, dude. Uh, yeah, lots of ideas. There's lots to do there. So much okay. room for activities. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, to get into the final last bit of news, uh, I actually wrote the show notes into that research before this thing ended up happening, but it's it was about how the screen... Um, Actors Guild was about to go on strike. Okay. And then before we got to record, they went on strike. <laughs> so <laughs> it kind of basically just shifted what I was going to say to, yeah, they're on strike now, which is insane and everything is shut down. So, okay, I'm glad we're talking about this because, you know, as the more, uh, you know, knowledgeable in the film world between the two of us, mm-hmm. I, I, I have some questions. Yeah. So, does this just mean that we're not gonna get any new like TV TV shows pretty much? Yeah. Like even like independent studios or Well, I mean, as they... long as people aren't in the guild then So like who wouldn't be in the guild? Uh I'm just a lot of like like me. I'm clearly not oh. in a guild. Okay. But like more smaller independent you filmmakers and you type people yeah okay. like people who like haven't they're like doing their own thing it's a lot more independent and stuff and then that they that wouldn't have signed any anything with the unions okay. so or they haven't done enough cuz usually you have to do like i think there's a certain amount of like uh certain level budget films that you have to work in in order to finally be um eligible to join the union or something or for a writer you have to have a certain amount of your screenplays produced or something to finally be eligible to join the union you know stuff like that so it could be a lot of people who just haven't reached eligibility yet and just more people who maybe haven't wanted to join the union and stuff like that they can all still work but they're not the people whose projects are being funded by hollywood okay you know so like it's still like not really anything we're gonna like see as like more like mainstream it'll those are all stuff that's gonna be like small like independent theaters so we're just not getting like any new like tv releases of anything because i heard like stranger things season five is like delayed until 2027 yeah and then like is it filmed yet no so all those kids are just getting old yeah so like the problem with that is like well they they haven't even been shooting because they had to stop production for the writer strike because they were still writing it so they they had to stop there and then like outer banks for example they're shooting season four and they with the strike writer strike they had a certain amount written already so they could shoot that but now with the actor strike now they just have to shut down production and like that's happening to shows and movies all over the place like deadpool 3 for example just shooting now they have to completely shut down movies too everything yeah movies shows the entire film industry shut down basically Okay, well, then which is crazy. Question. Yeah. So, has this ever happened before? 
Didn't yeah. it happen like in the sixties or something? Uh, the first time, the both writers and actors unions went on strike together was I think in the sixties. So, yeah, and then the last time that the Screen Actors Guild itself was on strike was the, in like nineteen eighty. Okay. You know, where the writer strike, the last time they were on strike was 2007. Okay. So it was a bit sooner. But yeah, dude, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's crazy out there right now. <laughs> like the entire industry shut down, it, which is even worse than when it had to shut down for COVID. Because for COVID, at least, like there was a lot of like protocols that were quickly impl- implemented so productions could resume you know mm-hmm. so like a lot of stuff was still being made during covid it's just everything that was slated for that year was already had to just be released later uh-huh. um but this is worse because there's just like no way anybody can even work there's no like safety protocols for them to keep working well, it's just no one can work period. why doesn't like I don't know. I could see something happening like someone like Seth Rogen or Adam Sandler who like facilitates like a lot of like, you know, movies being made kind of like, you know, just with their own like crew and friends and stuff like that. Wouldn't they go like they could go like make a movie? No, because they're all they're all part of the guild in their unions. So they can't. Yeah, dude, it's that's, it's it's rough. There's like, rough, I mean, like technically, anybody can still work if they wanted to. They just would get kicked out of the the union, yeah. and never, as a result, really be able to work again. So, it's not worth it. So, like, people aren't even. I'm sure people are like writing stuff like on the side, like you do. If if they're not a part of the guild. No, I'm saying if they're part of the writers' guild. And they're just like, I like writing. This is why I got into this. I'm not writing right now. I'm just gonna, you know, write some. I'm gonna write a script just for, you know, fun. For I, I, or for I assume they probably can do that if it's not in a like a sign, like a full assignment. Like, I imagine like Tarantino, for example, could probably still work writing a a movie or something. He better. So does that mean his new his last film is gonna be like? pushed out like even longer now yeah (laughs) dude i know it sucks everything is shut down you already are satisfied because what oh no i said as far as i'm concerned we already have 10 films from him i mean i guess so if you really want to go there i mean oh we can go there (laughs) you want to get nuts let's get nuts (laughs) (laughs) no but like way better than the trailer what? No, when you when you said that, I was like, that's way better than the, than than the trailer. Oh, yeah. in because <laughs> yeah, funny. It didn't make me cringe. Yeah, in the flash trailer. Oh my but god. Anyway, yeah. So literally <sighs> everything is completely shut down, and the studios do not care. <laughs> they think they're I, being crazy. I saw the thing where they're like, we're gonna keep letting them riot until they lose their apartments or whatever. Yeah. What? Is up that what's that's insane. Like, do you not care about these people at all? I just don't know like how they're going to like like, you know, pretty soon they're gonna start running out of money. They're yeah. Not, they're not making money. No no, they're not making money. They have to like live off of savings and stuff. 
So what? What are they? How? Are, what's the end game? Well, the end game is that these studios will agree to the union's terms and let and actually pay them a living living wage, protect them from AI usage, and the projects and um uh what was the last one my god brain fart livable wage ai protection and um residuals oh okay and stuff yeah yeah so like that's all they're asking for is like to be like that stuff to be fair and the studios are just like no and which is crazy because like eighty percent of the Screen Actors Guild makes less than twenty five thousand dollars a year. Wow! Like, and you have to make twenty six thousand dollars a year in the union to be able to get health care. So, like, Whoa. most of the people like can't even get health care with the guild man. because they're not like making the threshold because the studios aren't paying them, and they were res- like, I think Matt Damon was talking about this where he said that a lot of the times the residuals are what bumps those people into the threshold to get health care. And with streaming, no one is getting paid residuals. Oh, my God. Like, the dude who created Squid Game, he'd be, like, getting so many residuals because people watching it on Netflix and stuff, but he hasn't seen a dime. That guy should be, like, loaded. I know, but he's not. How popular Squid Game was. Or, like... Anytime someone watches an episode of The Office or something on Peacock, residuals are supposed to still go out regardless and like a fair price because that's how it was with cable, you know? Yeah. And it, they just need that protection. And with the AI stuff for acting, dude, it's so bad because like they were just saying for background actors who's like that they have to like that's how they make a living is going from set to set to set and hopefully being on a production for a while yeah and making a good amount of money every day now the studios want them to come in for one day's work get paid for that day do a full scan and they can use their likeness in any project or the rest of that project without paying those background actors dude what is going on here I don't know. This is like, it's so like, fucked this is up. Really unsettling to me. I know. It's like a. It's literally a Black Mirror episode, dude. It's, it's literally. You know. You know what's so insane? What is that episode dropped like a month ago? And oh, they have an episode just like what you're literally describing. about AI likeness and stuff, and like they can use, like their example was um, Selma Hayek, like she had a. In her contract for, like, they use Streamberry, which is their version of Netflix. Okay. And they even had the same logos and everything. And um, she had signed a contract with the streaming service to, like, in the fine print said, like, we can use your likeness for any project, anytime, mm-hmm. whatever. And then a show drops with her likeness that she had no idea about, and it's, like, ruining her reputation mm. because everyone thinks she, like worked on and acted in this project and that's this whole thing and i was like oh man that's really unsettling that like ai is going to do that one day but i'm sure that won't we won't have to deal with that for like 
at least 10 years it's, it's coming. and then a month later all of this is happening and i'm like how is this happening already <laughs> like i they just dropped this episode and in my head i was like oh we got like 10 years until this happens and yeah. then one month later it's happening oh, yeah, no, dude. It is, and that's what they want to do it is catching up fast and it's like you just released and funded this project to make fun of you for being dickheads and doing this and then you, you unironically want to do that? Uh, yeah, no, like, I know. You, how I know. dumb are you, it's, dude? Uh, and probably all the CEOs watch that episode and they're like, oh, uh-huh, it's just like what we're doing. Yeah, like what? Like, I, I don't know. They're crazy, dude. It's like these people, like, they, I, I feel like uh, I, there was one quote I, I saw earlier today that I thought was really good. I forget exactly what it said, but saying something, it was like, all of like the strikes people were going on strike to like maintain the human soul in art basically oh i like that and like creativity i mean pretty much dude because that's exactly what it is cuz like these studios want to just like make conveyor belt blockbusters mm. you know like a lot of marvel yeah. movies right now a lot of big blockbusters. They just all feel like they're written out by AI. Exactly, and they're. It's just like it's just because they they lost the the human soul part of the creativity that a lot of the like early MCU movies had that were very tangible. Yeah. And like, that's something you can connect with. It's like all of that has been lost, and now Hollywood is all about just cranking out huge movies, making a billion dollars return, having a great time doing all the drugs possible you know yacht parties probably all this shit and then now as a society and they're they're just trying to level up and keep doing cheaper just garbage and making more money that's all this ai stuff is and it's just a progression of that and everyone's gonna go see it but no no because the entire climate audience climate has completely shifted because now you're seeing like all of these big blockbusters are bombing at the box office. They're like, like Indiana Jones, for example, was projected to make like 300 million opening weekend uh-huh. and it made like 60 million. Oh, damn. That's like, that sucks. And that's how it's been for like every single blockbuster that's been coming out is like, I see what you mean. Everything's bombing, but the things that aren't bombing are like art house films, independent films. Like, Asteroid City, which is a nice segue, is Wes Anderson's fastest grossing film he's ever made. Biggest, fastest grossing film he's ever made. Really? It's made more, more money in short ama- shorter amount of time than any of his other films. I wonder what it was. Maybe, I'm sure everyone just, like, saw, has been brushing up on his movies. But, since... like, that's how it's been for, like, all of these independent films. Oh, really? It's just, like, they're, like, making a bunch of money and like people are talking about him and like really excited about them where like the blockbusters are now bombing and it's like the climate's changed people are over that they want to find like heart and soul in their art and like really feel something and connect with something so it's like it's shifting again but now the the studios and everyone are like on a fast track train that they've been on with the blockbusters and trying to like do all this ai garbage and it's like, yeah, now society's like not, they, we don't want that, which I think is I, awesome because I love that, that yeah. the type of movies I'm trying to make are more smaller independent films. So exactly. it's like the industry's 
shifting in a very good way. That's, well, I think that's perfect. But also, you know, I'm sure you know people like this as well who, like, will just kind of go see, and not, like, not in a bad way, but just kind of go see, like, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. if, if a movie, like, looks like, like, the the slightest bit, like, entertaining, it, yeah. it's like, it, you know, it's, it's a, a given that mm-hmm. they're gonna go see it. Yeah. Um, exactly. Like there was, what was it? Um, totally forgot about it. Looked it looked really dumb. Um, oh, there's some movie on um, Netflix that has Ryan Reynolds, and I guess it's it's directed by Michael Bay, and it just has like a bunch oh, of explosions. Underground Six. That one. Yeah, that movie's that insane. Is it? Is it good? No. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well. But it's crazy, dude. Like it's. I mean, it's a Michael Bay movie, so it's what you'd expect. Just okay. Like it was, it's entertaining. Okay, like, for sure. But, it, but it's, it's not like a a masterwork or anything. Not whatsoever. That, I've I've had that recommended to me by a couple people. I mean, I would definitely check it out just because it's like a, a it's an entertaining joyride, basically. Okay. So it, it's just like don't expect anything good. Is Ryan Reynolds basically doing like the the Deadpool? Yeah, thing? he's doing the Ryan Reynolds thing. Okay. You know. It's what you would expect. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that's uh, maybe I, I will check that one out then. Yeah, it's a fun time. Okay. Uh, so you want to transition into the movie now? Let's uh, let's hop, let's hop on the train, the miniature train, into the desert and hang out in Asteroid City. I love it, man. That was that, that was a great way to open the open the, the play when everything came into color. Yeah, dude, that was really cool. I. And the song they use, I don't know what the song was, but it's like, it was really. It yeah, it was some like it 50s gave or me 60s Darjeeling song. Limited vibes. Yes, yeah, so I'm sure that's what he was going for. He's yeah, like, with the guys. train and yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Asteroid City is Wes Anderson's brand new film. Um, the letterboxed uh, description, or logline, or summary, whatever you would like to call it. I don't care, is set in a fictional American desert town circa 1955, the itinerary of a junior stargazer space cadet convention organized to bring together students and parents from across the country for fellowship and scholarly competition is spectacularly disrupted by world-changing events. I mean, I think that's that's decent. I feel like that kind of makes it seem like more like... I guess action packed than it was. Yeah, this and it kind of it kind of feels like a like a very almost like a National Lampoon movie. Like you mean by that description? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah okay. I, uh, I thought you were saying that you you got National Lampoon vibes from when you saw the movie. Oh like, no, not ow. at all. No, the description gives me like National Lampoon vibes. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes it kind of sound like there's like some crazy stakes. No, dude, this movie is, uh, I think a lot of Wes Anderson movies kind of have, like, that bedtime story vibe. Definitely. Um, Definitely. But this one in particular is a play. Like, it's obviously, you know, uh, crafted to be, like, the bedtime story. It Like, it's a story within... W- within within a, a story. Well, yeah, within a story or within mm-hmm. a movie. Yeah. Um, and so the actual movie, yeah, it takes place in 1955. Um, and it's like for, it's black and white for like the first like 
maybe like 10 minutes yeah 10 15 minutes something like that something like that um and then it transitions into you know what is the backdrop for uh, the movie which Mm -hmm. is asteroid city um and that is uh basically like where the the majority of the movie like 90% of the movie takes place yeah which is you know this play that uh Adrian Brody is and Ed Norton are putting on yeah so, yeah um yeah so I thought that was great I really like that touch um I loved uh Brian Cranston as the narrator <laughs> yeah he's a, he that, gives like a Twilight Zone vibes kind of dude yes yes know. I love it which was kind of cool. He's like, oh, am I in this? Sorry. Oh, dude, that scene was so funny. <laughs> when he was in the play and he's like, by the showers. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm not in this. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Um, but, yeah, man. Um, well, I mean, what are, you, what, are your, what are your thoughts? So I've seen it twice now. Uh-huh. And I enjoyed it uh, so much more the second time. Okay. Um, I feel like the first time I saw it, I was just, like, sitting there. I was taking in what was I was seeing and then like I was just kind of like lukewarm on it. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, it's really good. It's a Wes Anderson movie, but I was like, well, whatever. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. it didn't really do anything for me. For sure. But this time around I f- I loved it. Okay. Like I had okay. so much more fun with it. And I think it's cuz I just kind of like I got I understood the vibe more and I like, I knew what I was getting into where like, I didn't know so much going into it. Like I didn't know about, it was like about a play and watching the play. And then like, I didn't know about like the alien stuff and everything. Oh yeah. Sorry. Disclaimer. We don't do spoil No spoilers. Oh, I forgot yeah, that, to, that I forgot be, to give that disclaimer that, at the beginning. Without saying. Yeah. But uh, well, anyway, the aliens is the, the disruptive aliens. force. That yeah. was mentioned the world changing event, but it was like, it wasn't like a hostile interaction. It was just, no, it was hilarious. Yeah. It was it great. Was great. I love that. Scene. Um, so I didn't know about a lot of that stuff and I just knew about like the being in the town and like the bright, beautiful pastel color vibes and everything. Um, but so now we're going in, like fully understanding what the movie was. I, I enjoyed it so much more. I picked up on and understood a lot of what the dialogue was trying to say in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Okay. Um, what did you get out of that? Well, there was just like a lot of like mentions of, and like people talking about like what's going on in the play. Mm-hmm. And after having, and when I first saw it, I was like, I don't know what they're talking about because I don't know what they're talking about, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then after seeing the whole story and then going back and seeing that part again, I was like, oh, they're talking about this part of the movie later down the road when the alien comes and they were talking about, like, they were saying the lines that they said then and stuff. I was like, oh, okay, that makes gotcha, a lot gotcha. more sense. Just more context and stuff. And I think that elevated the enjoyment for me. And the first time I saw it, I, I I didn't really care too much for all the black and white, like, behind the scenes of the play stuff. Oh, okay. I was just like, this is fine, but, like, it's kind of taking me out of it. I feel like it's not necessary. But this time around, I loved it. Yeah, I was I like, thought it was really interesting. I really, really loved the whole, like, we're seeing this production being put on and then we're seeing the production, you know? Mm. Like, I thought that was really cool and then knowing it that it's a play 
going in, I was like, oh, he's doing a lot of like framing and like camera movements and like the way the story is like unfolding is very theat like theater like way yeah or like style and did you like, wait did, the first time you watched it did you not get that it was a play no i knew that it was a play when i was watching it but like just going in fully accepting oh, that whole part of the story that it is a play that i'm watching and stuff i was able to just like look at more the um direction that Wes was doing and I could I just could see that he was doing a lot more um of a theatric type of production when it was within the Asteroid City play stuff the color portions mm. and it was very interesting that to like see that because he doesn't really do that in other films so yeah. it was very it was cool I, I feel like it was very um like, it was kind of like an introspection of a film compared to all of his other ones. Yeah. Because it kind of got into a little bit behind the scenes. And if we just had the Asteroid City, I feel like it would be um, just, you know, a, a standard, like, uh, Wes Anderson, uh, you know, film to come out, like, after. And when I say standard, I don't, like, because all of his films are kind of, like, different things. Mm. But I'm saying it would just be a kind of, like everything that we've come to expect from him and not yeah. really do anything like yeah, yeah, new yeah. and still be good. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I really like the touch like that. It was like a, the production behind the production. Me too. Like, yeah. Like said, yeah. I really enjoyed that. Um, um, one of my favorite scenes was when like, you know, those two uh, parts meshed and, uh, Jason Schwartzman's character, uh, Augie, yeah. comes backstage and then you said that you saw, th that's also when you see Jeff Goldblum mm -hmm. as the yeah. alien, yeah. which I'm bummed I missed. Did it just look like Jeff Goldblum? Well, he was in the suit and he had the head off. So he was sitting down and it was all in the black suit. Uh -huh. And then you just saw his head. Was he, was he like wearing his glasses or anything like that? Or? I think he was. Oh, I, I could be wrong though. I don't Man, remember. I'm bummed I missed that part. Yeah. You'll have to look out on that next time you watch it. Um, no, for sure. Um, yeah, and then he just goes back scene, and he just talks to uh, Margot Robbie's character, mm -hmm. who I forgot, like, I saw she was in the opening credits, and I was like, oh, that dope, I didn't even know she's in this. And then uh, she was just in it for, like, five minutes, but it was, like, some of the yeah. best five minutes of the film. It was so good. Yeah. It was a great, great sequence and a great cameo. Um, I had no idea that she was going to be in it going in, mm -hmm. and it was cool. Um, I also didn't know Jeff Goldblum was going to be in it, so that was cool. Yeah. Um, who else? I think there was a couple other people I wasn't sure about. Oh, I don't think I knew Edward Norton was going to be in it. Oh, I didn't know he was going to be in it. I didn't know Brian Cranston was going to be in it. I didn't know Scarlett Johansson was going to be in it. And her character was really good. She was one of my favorites. Yeah. One of the standouts for sure. Um, but uh, I, I I think uh, Tom Hanks' character might have been my, my favorite. Yeah. Or at least, like, the funniest. <laughs> like, yeah. He, He's, he's just like a fucking major, like, just slut. He's just trying to... <laughs> even his actor to Margot Robbie's character... What, what did he say? He's like... When he comes out, he's like... He's like, oh, uh, are, are you are you single? Or just something like that. Oh, no, that was, um, that was the guy who was the mechanic. He came out onto the balcony and was like, hey, how's it going? I, oh, we were I supposed to have a scene together, you know? I thought that was Tom Hanks' character. No. Oh, okay. Well, no, that's... that was the uh, the mechanic guy. Oh, okay, okay. Well, um, 
What was when uh, Tom Hanks? He's like, uh, he's like, are, are are you married? Yeah, <laughs> that was so. He's good. just like trying to, yeah, just trying to put on the the riz, as the kids uh, say. Yeah, seriously, he was laying it on strong. I know. Um, what? Um, what did you think of Steve Carell? Oh yeah, his character is funny too. Um, he wasn't in it like a whole ton. He, I think he maybe had like three or four scenes. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, his his character is funny. Too. Steve Carell is always great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he was he was just the uh, the proprietor of the little cot, cottage rentals, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, and um, I heard today that apparently he was the only character in the whole film to smile. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Everyone else has like a deadpan, straight face the whole time. I mean that's true, but I feel like that's like oh, a wait. lot of Wes Anderson characters. What? No, that I I'm pretty sure the Scarlett Johansson's character's daughter smiles at one point to Woodrow. I'm like ninety percent sure. Uh, I was thinking. Oh yeah, I was trying to think. I was like, does anyone else? Um, no, well, because Steve Carell's character actually flat out just seems happy and like he doesn't you know hate his life. Exactly. And I feel like that's like a Wes Anderson thing like I would add that to like the list of things with the symmetry um and the pastel colors um is there any other Wes Anderson trademarks um just like very smooth camera movements oh like the whip pans yeah whip pans um insert shots Oh yeah, insert shots are pretty common. Um, yeah, he does a lot of stuff. Sets that look like a dollhouse. Yeah, a lot of uh, like miniatures. Paintings as uh, a lot of miniatures, a lot of background paintings. Um, yeah, a lot of classic filmmaking type of stuff. So I would add like the that like center shot of like a character just looking like depressed but not like they're about to cry but just yeah. kind of more like they've kind of just been living with this for a while and like this is me yeah and exactly. it's just kind of like this like like this really like kind of like blank stare yeah kind of where the characters you can tell they're just kind of like thinking of like you know what their life would be like if it didn't if it wasn't you know this way or whatever exactly um th- and it's interesting because i always see this exemplified with characters that Jason Schwartzman plays um, both in Darjeeling and um, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox mm-hmm. um, but he's his characters are always like I wouldn't call them like depressed but they seem like they just, like are just kind of missing something in life but a little neurotic a, maybe a little bit a little bit yeah but what I love about his performances so much, especially in this movie, is that he doesn't, you know, rely on any tropes of just being, like, like a gloomy, like, depressed, just, like, mopey dude like we see in so many movies, like yeah. the stereotype. You know, and he's just kind of, like, does it in his own way where he just kind of comes off more like this guy who is obviously very deep and very, like, emotionally... Um, I guess like emotionally affected by things and like you know it, it kind of gives like a, a really like like a strong feel of like realism like it, it really like brings me 
Like, you feel like every character he plays, I feel like you know that guy. Yeah, exactly. Like, for the time you're watching the movie. Yeah. Because he doesn't do it, like I said, in that exaggerated, like, kind of, like, Hollywood, like, way where it's like, oh, the guy, you know, wakes up on the couch and he's covered in beard cans. And <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, like, you know. And then, like, he, like, looks at a picture of, like, his ex-girlfriend or whatever and he's like, well, guess it's day 200 of this you know so not star lord and guardians volume three how was i just thinking of st- <laughs> like i was I, I had chris pratt in my head looking sad as shit eating cereal at his grandpa's house yeah when i was talking but I, when i like the whole time i was just talking about that yeah that's, um, that's star lord right there i mean i, I wouldn't yeah I, I would say that's pretty much what i'm describing i wouldn't take any points away from that because i feel like that was necessary yeah it was right for this character but, but exactly what you're saying that this yeah. wes anderson's characters aren't, aren't more as like just obviously like messed up like that it's a, and, like, it's very, a way like, more and stuff. real it's very yeah like stoic and just like deadpan just like it you can see the emotions, those same emotions, but going on within, like, behind their eyes rather than, like, it's just out in, in the open, like, what they're doing. Hmm. You know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's not really, like... Yeah, no, exactly, exactly what you just said. Well, perfectly said. Yeah. And, and it makes sense that, especially in this film, that everyone is very deadpan because... I was watching a review earlier today, and I think it's because I was left with a lot of questions after, and I feel like I those questions are pretty much answered after I heard this. Um, I forget the name of the guy's channel, otherwise I'd shout him out. Um, I'll leave it in the description. Um, but he was basically everyone's kind of deadpan because the film is like about grief a lot and like how we handle grief. Okay. And. Um, I mean, you see how it, it it's kind of apparent that that's what it's about because you see Augie and um, Scarlett Johansson's character. Um, I forget her name. Um, but they talk a lot about their grief and their sadness and how they handle it and mm. stuff. And I think from what this guy says in the whole, like, cra- classroom scene in the end where everyone's chanting you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep yeah that, and af- I was like, afterwards what we was were like that? what was that about this guy was saying that basically like you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep meaning you can't move past your grief unless you go within and like work it through it and stuff and then you can come out the other end and actually be happy and content and like moving on and you have to like go to sleep go within yourself so you can wake up and be okay which i would have never gotten (laughs) if i didn't have someone else tell me that i yeah (laughs) because i i I could not figure it out I, i knew that was seen like something was going on there and I always hate that when that happens. Yeah. Like when I'm just like, oh man, I know this is like something, and this I know is a I'm meaningful I, moment. I know I'm not gonna get it, and I have to look it up. Yeah. Um, it's like, damn, I'm really not that smart as I thought. Yeah, I was. no, I know, no, for real. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dang it, man. But also, I like that was super ambiguous, dude. Like that yeah. could have meant. I thought it the, at very first because they said that didn't they mentioned 
that um, Edward Norton's character, the playwright, was like killed in a drunk driving accident, or he got yeah. in an accident or something. Yeah, he was drunk driving and crashed and died. So I thought that was like a like a kind of like a drunk driving like warning, like from the yeah. theater or something. I'm not saying like from Wes Anderson to the audience. I'm saying like in the movie from the theater mm. to the theater's audience. Um, gotcha. And they're just like. That's basically like the, you know, the phrase that they were kind of like using to, to say like don't like drink and drive or something. Yeah, interesting. Uh, but obviously that was way off. <laughs> I, I was I was just like I mean that was I wasn't even sure about that. I just yeah. was trying to make meaning out of something. That, yeah, exactly. That had Do you have any um, like negatives that you can think of? Uh, I think I enjoyed the movie the you know the whole way through. Um, really good length. Um, yeah, it flew by. Yeah, 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 it's like an hour forty-five, isn't it? Really, I have no idea. <laughs> I it had it's definitely under two hours. Oh, yeah. something under for sure. I, um, I just don't know what. Yeah, even like uh, and we didn't mention this is definitely a positive. This is mm. not a negative. The the alien uh, the alien scenes. Yeah, are, we never really talked about the, the alien. I know. I I just I I loved I love. Well, okay, this is a good segue into like kind of like like the vibe of the movie, mm-hmm. um, or you know me like trying to how, how would you explain? It's like I think the the concept of it is called uh, mid century futurism. Yeah. Kind of like the Jetsons. Like the Jetsons or Meet the Robinsons. Yeah. Like where, like, they are, what they thought the future would kind of pan out or to be. Or the Incredibles. Or the Incredibles. Okay, the, that, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the best example of that. Yeah. What they thought the future would be in the 50s and <sighs> 60s. I wish and it then, was, man. Dude, it's so it's so dope. It's just like, yeah, not if even If the close. style didn't change in the 80s, we probably would. Because we're on... 80s changed it all, and then we've just been on like a projection from that. Everyone ever since started doing coke and you know listening to hair metal, and here we are. I wish, yeah, dude, that's mid-century futuristic. It's just so sick. I and I love how they used like those elements with the alien landing to kind of show like like that's exactly like what they thought, you know. That was their interpretation of aliens and UFOs yeah. in the 60s. And it's kind of cool because it's like... <clears throat> or in the you know late 50s. Yeah. Um, I completely forgot what I was going to say. It was really cool that it was like... Um, <clears throat> what was I going to say after that? <laughs> oh, it kind of feels like it's um like a puppet. Yeah. It's like, it's kind yeah, like, of, a, like a Muppet or like a hand puppet. Yeah, because it's, it's very like stop motiony type of um animation when he comes down and takes the asteroid and stuff yeah and the f- <laughs> this is i love wes's humor too because in that moment it's kind of a really tense moment and then you just see augie slowly lift up his camera and take a picture of him <laughs> and then the alien like poses with the asteroid and stuff <laughs> it was just like that made me crack up i just i love wes's humor it's, and that's, yeah, the- that's great it's. Um, I didn't even notice that. Um, yeah. But that's hilarious. And so, uh, and the alien and the ship looked fantastic, 
And I, it's so whimsical and weird that, like, no one else could get away with doing that except for Wes Anderson. Because he has to do it, like, it, he makes it work on two fronts, like, yeah. very well. And So the first was obviously for the movie uh, where he makes it, you know, look like a very Wes Anderson-esque spacecraft and alien. But also he makes it work... You know, being that the movie is uh, set in 1955 and yeah. is a stage production. Exactly. So it looks like, you know, something that you would see in, in like, a stage play. Yeah. Like, as a prop. Exactly. So the it, way it, like, slowly drops down is how, like, it would be slowly lowered down on the, the stage and stuff. Exactly. It's, like, it's very... That's, another, that's a part of the direction I was talking about. That's, like, it's very, like, theatric in the way it's produced. Exactly, dude. You know, and... It's yeah, it's just fascinating. I know it's starting to get warm in here. Um, I could, dude, I'm, I could see. Uh, I mean, I can see a few of his movies like being like kind of like reminiscent of a stage production. Just oh, in, like, definitely the pacing yeah. and the dialogue and stuff like that. I mean, Grand Budapest Hotel is very Grand stand, Budapest, and play. I feel like Darjeeling are are very kind of. Yeah. Linear narrative, um, like, you know, uh, like this location to this location to this location. Mm. And then, like, dialogue yeah. taking place confined in all those locations. Definitely. Um, yeah, but this one is, like, I thought it was really cool to see, like, both the, like, the setting that was Asteroid City. Because mm-hmm. um, it didn't feel like... Like, it didn't feel like, um, kind of, how would I say it? Like, it didn't feel, like, crappy. It no. felt like a, like, if I just got that chunk that without the black and white scenes, yeah. I would just think it's like, oh, this is just a Wes Anderson, you know, movie with, you know, and he uses very, like, um, th- this, uh, this style of, like, setting up his props to where it's it looks like a play, yeah. But I I love that they took the extra step and actually made Asteroid City be um, something that was written like a product of its time in the fifties about you know that midwestern town or the desert town that you know is visited by aliens and kind of has like the like you know you got the the boom of the you know Hollywood actors coming like all of those actors coming in and yeah. like that's what scarlett johansson's character really kind of um uh personified in the film and then also you had all of the um kind of like the space race stuff yeah and that new kind of technological um like frontier yeah that we were kind of like you know messing with in the late 50s early 60s all that mm-hmm. so and then that was exemplified by Woodrow and all of his um what was it like the, like all the people in his in in the science fair yeah um that were uh getting awarded for all of their all of their uh you know their inventions projects inventions and yeah. yeah and I, I just love that it was it felt it felt very 50s to it me. did yeah um but not just abstract 50s it was it was clear that west did a lot of research on you know the decade and he's like i want to focus on this this specific aspect of the decade yeah i thought it was really good i you know i i really don't have many i don't think i really have any negatives 
I don't either, dude. <laughs> like, like this movie I, I'd like watch before bed or something, you know? Yeah, I, I the more I think about it, and like the it, it's the more I enjoy it, you know? Yeah. And like, I can see people saying that it's like a little overstuffed, and I can see people saying that the black and white bits are unnecessary. But for me, I enjoy every bit of it. Things could be more fleshed out, but I kind of like the ambiguity of it. Yeah, I don't know. I, dude, I think it's. I think I'm. I think I'm gonna give it a five out of five. Oh what! Wow, that's. That, <laughs> I know. That's I, really good. I it's, was not expecting to do that. I would probably. I would probably give it an eight and a half. I think that's like still like. A really yeah. good reading. I, I mean, I really liked the movie. It was it was great. I mean, I was gonna give it. I was gonna give it a four and a half. Literally up until this point, I said five. You're just, you're just like because I, I was like five. The more I just been like talking about it with you right now and like thinking about it, the more I just want to go see it again. It's and it's very rewatchable. I would say. I definitely. I didn't have that feeling after French Dispatch, but it, then again, I only saw that one, I've seen that one once. Okay. So I feel like maybe going back and revisiting that, it'll have a similar effect that this did, where I'll get a lot more insights into it and enjoy it a lot more. Because I think after the first time I saw Asteroid City, I was, I gave it a four and a half, but I think I was feeling more, it was leaning more towards four. Uh-huh. Where now I'm just like I, I love how movies five. can fluctuate like that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so um, there you go. Yeah, five. man, wasn't um, expecting that to happen. I mean, any final any side notes? Uh, oh, I one fun little tidbit I guess that I learned today too that is that um, Steve Carell's character apparently was supposed to be Bill Murray. Oh yeah, Bill Murray wasn't uh, okay. I yeah. can see that. I yeah. can, what happened to Bill Murray? Uh, it was something something had to do with covid because this was shot in like like hey wes i don't really think i want to go out there (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think this was shot like pretty peak 2020 ish Mm -hmm. so or like pre right but i know i don't know i don't know when it was shot but i know it was supposed it was sometime around there Mm -hmm. um Maybe 2021. I do. I don't know. But regardless, he was supposed to be Steve Carell's character and couldn't because of something having to do with COVID. Oh, gotcha, I don't gotcha, know the gotcha. specifics, but yeah. Okay. But I think Steve Carell killed it. I think he he fitted that character really well. Yeah. Oh, no, he did. So, I mean. Maybe even every, more than Bill Murray would have. Probably, yeah. He made it like his own thing. Yeah. I love how every Wes Anderson movie just has like a million actors that we like. And yeah. just kind of all them, like, hanging out and doing different roles. It kind of feels like a summer camp for just actors that we like. Exactly. And they're not doing it for the paycheck because they don't make any money on these things. I read that. I read that Ed Norton actually loses money. He's like, you know, he's like, yeah, I have to do, like, three movies to do, like, one Wes Anderson movie because, like, I lose money. Yeah, on that's that. one of the things I sent you on Instagram. That was, that okay, that was seen. for me. Oh, okay, well, I Because he said that on this production he made 4500 bucks. <laughs> And usually doesn't does didn't I think he lost money on Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, I'm I pretty think, sure. Yeah, I think so. 
Um, but that's so, I, I think it's cool, dude. They they, they like they, they do it for the art and they, to because it's Wes, you know. And they love working with it. I'm sure, like they're just happy to be there. Exactly. It's it's just for the fun of it. It's for the love of the game. It's not for the paycheck. I, I which is awesome because it makes it even better that all these like huge A-list actors are like. It's like, yeah, dude, I just want to go, like, play and have fun. Yeah. And that's, like, that really comes through. They're like, I just want to go give, like, a good performance and, you know, this, like, uh, this kind of, like, little art piece that this director I like is making. Exactly. Yeah. It's awesome. So, yeah, it's a fun little tidbit. Yeah, okay. Okay, cool. Any other final thoughts? Um, I did want to mention, um... Uh, Maya Hawk is starting to like. I, I am seeing so much Uma Thurman in her. Oh yeah, me too. Like, Definitely. Yeah, um, and I'm glad they realized that they're, you know, whoever the powers that be, that Wes Anderson in this case is like, oh shit, Maya Hawk's a good actress. Oh let's, yeah. Let's make sure that. Definitely. We, yeah. She. I. That's another little thing. I really enjoyed her character, and I loved the little kid Dwight. Oh, dude, Dwight that guy was hilarious. Was sick. That guy was great. I, re- I respect Dwight. Yeah. We, he just ran off to hang out with the Cowboys and smoking then, a cigarette. <laughs> that was so funny. And then Dwight has uh, the Cowboys come back and they, like, play the... Dude, like, the, the song the, is the song, so good. Yeah. I love the song. Whatever, the scuttle button or whatever. Yeah. Whatever it was called. Yeah, that was... Uh, also, I love how, uh, obviously, Wes Anderson just keeps the same actors around. Because I recognize two of the Cowboys... From uh, Life Aquatic with Steve oh, Sisu. Mm. Uh, one of them was uh, Sal George that was doing all of the David oh, Bowie songs. Yep. The black guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That guy is that guy is my favorite. We could use this as a as a segue to kind of mm. discuss some of our other favorites and least favorites of his movies, uh, because I would like to start by saying I am not the biggest Life Aquatic fan. What? I'm. I'm I, no I don't really way. like it that much, man. Really? But I. I do That's love. Surprising. My favorite part of it is uh, Sal George's character. Um, that I think he's like. That's just like that's his stage name. I don't know what his actual name is. He's like a like a Peruvian singer or something. Um, and he's just doing like David Bowie covers like the whole time. I thought yeah. that was sick. He's just playing guitar on the submarine. Wow. Uh, I'm just like in shock that you aren't a huge fan of that. I thought you, that would be right up your alley. I just think the movie's really like. It's kind of weird. Like, it's like the tone is, is just kind of, it seems off to me. Really? Interesting. I, I, and, I, and not in a way that I'm like, this is a this is poor quality. Yeah. In a just, way that I didn't, like, vibe with it. I'm like, I just, like, wasn't really having, like, a like a, an enjoyable time with it. I was kind of like. Interesting. I don't know, man. Um, huh. I, I can't really put my finger on exactly just the vibe what i didn't like yeah it just kind of seemed like everyone just was like sad the whole time and it, there wasn't like really like like too much characterization that i cared about that's like, fair if i can compare it to one that's like definitely on my top three darjeeling yeah which i know is you know your favorite yeah that's my top that's it's so like all the characters are depressed in that, and it's okay because you know their dad just died, and they're on their way to, uh, they're on their way to the funeral, or they're on their way on their to way, get their mom. They're on their way to get their yeah to their mom. Um, so that the tone is perfect. Yeah. And Steve Zissou, I just feel like everyone's just, I mean, almost like I, I mean I wouldn't 
if I didn't know any better, I would think maybe the actors were kind of phoning it in. Yeah. I don't think that's true because it's, you know, Steve Murray and Willem Dafoe and Angelica Houston. Yeah. But I, I do just, you know, I, I, I can't really enjoy the movie for some reason. I don't know why. That's fair. Um, but uh, I don't know. What are your some, some other of your favorite movies and how does Asteroid City kind of rank <sighs> in there? Man, I... Well, now that I gave it a five, it's pretty up there, you know? I was... It's definitely, like, Darjeeling. Okay. Limited is top. For sure. Then, maybe... Mr. Fox. Yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox. He's amazing. And then, um... Oh, man. Uh, probably... Oh, Mm. Maybe this. Wow. Okay. Top three. Top three. Uh, I don't blame you. Yeah. It's, it's I don't know. Movie. I loved it. Um, I'm, the pressure is on right now. Um, uh, maybe I'm gonna put that at four and Rushmore at three. Okay. That feels better. I still haven't seen Rushmore. Yeah. I feel bad putting uh, Asteroid City above Rushmore. Um, I get that. And then so, Darjeeling, Mr. Fox, Rushmore. Asteroid City, Grand Budapest, Grand Budapest. Okay. um, uh, I haven't seen Isle of Dogs, uh, probably, um, Bottle Rocket, okay, French Dispatch, um, haven't seen Isle of Dogs. Oh, I forgot about Steve Zissou. Sorry. Um, no, no, it's God. okay. I, I can't say it at all. No, <laughs> so, hey, shut no, up. I, I know you like Steve Z. <laughs> so, uh, Darjeeling Limited, Mr. Fox, Rushmore, Asteroid City, Life Aquatic. Okay. Um, Bottle Rocket. Bottle Rocket, French Dispatch. R- Royal Tenon Bombs. Ooh, I'll put Royal Tenenbaums above Bottle Rocket. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Then Bottle Rocket, French Dispatch. And does that leave Isle of Dogs? Yeah. Okay, and then that's just at the bottom just because I haven't seen it. I mean, I don't think we're forgetting here. Let's, let, let me, let me look because. I'm pretty, oh, wait, no, Mount, or Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom, but, but, I but we, also we both haven't, haven't seen, seen that. that. So that's also at the bottom just because it's yeah. not applicable. Um, yeah, that movie's been on my watch list since I was like thirteen. Dude, me too. I, I, I really want to see it. I know. I just and I know that it's gonna be great. I know it's gonna be great. But I just for some reason haven't done it. But Man. yeah, those are just the two I haven't checked out. I'm pretty sure I'm not forgetting any others. But yeah, I would say for what I've seen, Fantastic Mr. Fox is, and that's just so good. That's just on my like probably top ten movies of all, of time. all time. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw that, I was on such a high, where I was like, dude, I just saw like the best. It's like it's like animated, but it's like it, it's like not really. It's like claymation, but it's like not really like it's like not for kids. Yeah, and and I was like, and and like there's this like scene where he he's just gets an argument with Bill Murray and Bill Murray's like a, a badger and they're just like you what, what the me? cuss? Uh, oh, I'll, I'll take care of you now, you little cuss. <laughs> and. And you're just like, wait, 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 what? What's happening? Yeah, that's man, great, that man. that movie is so phenomenal, bro. So good. Everything about that movie, I think, is perfect. 
Uh, it, there's nothing wrong with it. The, it. Not just there's nothing wrong with it. Everything is like amazing yeah. and like the opposite of wrong. It's absolutely perfect. Um, it's a gem. All the voice acting, and it's just got like that. Like it just makes you laugh at stuff that is like you wouldn't think that you would really laugh at it, but you're just like, <laughs> that's so, so, what, what's going on? Yeah, what the cuss? What, what the cuss? <laughs> when, he, um. Yeah, uh, the the whole the whole scene where um, Bill Murray is uh, describing um, uh, what are the three the the three evil tycoon guys, Mm -hmm. Uh, Bunsen Burner and Bean or whatever. I think something something like that. that. I need to rewatch that. Me too. Few years. Um, I haven't seen it in like three years either. I need to check that out again. That was one of the last things I watched with my grandma, dude. I remember, and you know, so good. She shared her uh, cancer medication the first time I watched it. Yeah. And it just, you know, elevated the experience. Always make sure that you have someone share their cancer medication with you before you watch Fantastic Mr. Fox if you haven't seen it. Amen to that. Um. Yeah, and then uh, I'd say Darjeeling, and probably. Um, What would be yeah Darjeeling is is great because it's just it's just very character driven yeah and super vibey too I love the, the India setting the India setting is amazing not to mention the whole soundtrack is pretty much um <sighs> a, a Kinks album yeah um I've never seen that before where I mean and there's that one Rolling Stones song um at the end mm-hmm. um but I've never seen where like there's they have four songs in a movie and they're just subsequently on an album like yeah, next to each other. Exactly. I, I thought that was really cool. I was like, I guess Wes Anderson's been listening to Lola versus Power Man from 1970. Yeah. Yeah, so um man, that's so fun. And then uh probably uh I would put Royal Tenenbaums. Uh what a No, I might put this above that. And then um Life Aquatic, I think. Okay. Have I only seen five of his movies? You haven't seen Grand Budapest? Grand, that's what I was missing. Okay, I would put, I would probably put Grand Budapest above Asteroid City, and okay. then Asteroid City, and then Royal Ten Bombs. Gotcha, gotcha. And that's my top five. Very cool. Um, and then Life Aquatic at the bottom. And then Life Aquatic, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, man, dude. Very nice. I, I, I think that um, Grand Budapest is definitely like, it seems to be kind of like. Um, like his, uh, like Wes Anderson's, like, like his magnum opus, I guess, what people yeah. consider to be his best movie. It's like his peak, basically. And I, I see why. I mean, it, it's a great movie, but I mean, also, it, I, I feel like, you know, it's kind of a, like, a, a typical Wes Anderson story. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't really, it didn't blow my mind. I just, like, fit, like, like, yeah, this is a fantastic it was, Wes Anderson. This is a fantastic Wes Anderson film. Yeah, yeah. gave it nine out of ten. Like, probably twenty minutes in. Yeah, it stayed there. It's fantastic. It's, I yeah. mean, yeah, it's exactly. funny. Um, it's uh, I love the the early nineteen hundred setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Gustav's relationship with uh the bellboy. Yeah, yeah. Where's my bellboy? It's great. It's so good, dude. Um. 
and also, you know, again, so many different, so many, like, you know, actors that obviously just want to work with Wes Anderson. I guarantee you, Harvey Keitel was in there for probably five minutes, where normally he'd be getting paid, you know, a few hundred grand. He probably did that for free. Probably something, yeah. Yeah. Or next to free. Or next to free, yeah. Something exactly. Like that. Um, because people just want to be in his movies because they're just enjoyable little projects. Exactly, man. Um, yeah, dude, that movie's just... It's great from start to finish. I, I didn't mean to underplay how, how great the movie was. No, it's then. fantastic. Um, and then uh, Royal, Royal Tenenbaums, I've, I've always felt like, is kind of um, like his, like, uh, kind of the... Isn't that the movie that kind of put him on the map? Um, I think... Kind of like his uh, Pulp Fiction? I think so. Maybe Rushmore was, because Rushmore, I think, was his second film. Oh, really? Rushmore? Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure on that. Royal Tenenbaums, if I could just talk about that for a second. I just want to say, it has the weird vibe of the Life Aquatic, kind of, where everyone's just in a weird mood and kind of this weird disposition the whole time. Uh-huh. But it works because that family is so fucked up. Yeah. There, yeah. Dude, I was... And, like, uh, what's her name? Gwyneth Paltrow's character's, like, the adopted sister, and she's, like, making out with, like, her brother. But, yeah. But, like, they're not, like, it's, like, not blood-related, but... It's... But it's weird. Um, but, yeah, I... I, I kind of liked how, like... Uh, I feel like that's kind of, like, the most, like... I guess, like... Real of his movies. Mm-hmm. Like, where it's it's not... It doesn't seem like it has really, like, a fantasy or whimsical element to it. Yeah. And it's kind of just the like... the most, like, grounded in reality. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I would say uh, that also for, like... I feel like that's most of his first few movies. Uh, okay, well, I haven't seen Bottle Rocket or um, Rushmore. Bottle Rocket is just a flat-out heist movie. So oh, it's, shit. like, it's very grounded in reality. Okay. And then Rushmore is, like, just out of school. Okay. So it's, like, very grounded. Darjeeling pretty grounded like, they're all I think pretty is, grounded I think is grounded but I feel like Royal Tenenbaums is more kind of relatable or not relatable that's I feel like Darjeeling is definitely more relatable I yeah. feel like Rushmore is kind of more grounded in reality um Darjeeling kind of has a like a very whimsical bedtime story element to it too I feel like definitely it's where I feel like that's where he kind of started implementing that and then for the Life Aquatic is where he really like really, took yeah. his first stab at taking like a very storybook kind of very approach. storybook like it's almost like like you know those ri- the rides at Disneyland where yeah. they're like it's very storybook and kind of like you have like these cardboard like like little uh, sets or set pieces yeah exactly and it's like like kind of like um, another thing it kind of reminds me of you've seen that uh, video. Um, it's like a, a trip to the moon from 1912. Yeah. Kind of like how that is. And then uh, Smashing Pumpkins did like a really cool kind of like riff on it for their music video for Tonight Tonight. Right. But yeah. um, I don't even know. I don't know what that concept is called or that art style is called. But you know what I mean, right? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Where it's about. like, okay, like it's modern, but we're going to try and like aesthetically make it seem like it's, you know, 1912. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the vibe I got from Darjeeling. I, I get that. I, I kind of felt like I was watching like a storybook, especially with how like 
I don't know how else to say this, but how like left screen, left side of the screen to white right side of the screen the mm. movie is. It's very like yeah, horizontal. Horizontal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very horizontal. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know. I I like that though. I I like that it didn't really feel like like super realistic. It felt like I was just kind of. It felt like I was watching a story that I could see someone like telling me about three brothers who just lost their dad. Yeah. And who are kind of on this journey through India. Definitely. Um, whereas Royal Tenenbaums is just like pretty pretty raunchy stuff and and some kind of like messed up. I think it's messed, probably his like up. darkest film. It's it is for sure. It is. That was the one of his movies that I I wasn't like. Wait, is this? Is this PG thirteen or is this R? I definitely think he like uh, was going through some stuff say, when he made that probably movie. Going through something, <laughs> you know, probably wasn't a great time in his life. Which is a, I was gonna say that's a great place to end with um, a little game called Is it PG thirteen or is it R? Oh, you don't know. Uh, yeah. Was Asteroid City PG thirteen or was it R? I would say PG thirteen. But they had full nudity. Oh, Scarlett Johansson. I forgot about that R. It would have but to be R. I, but I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, let's, let's look the rest now. of the movie, I would say... I think it was PG-13. I'm pretty sure it's PG-13. Isn't that like a... I love how he has, like, the softest R-rated movies in, like, existence. Yeah. I mean, it's basically, like, PG up until, like, that. No, for real. I... Uh, and then it's just like, whoa, out of left field, and then it's, like, a half a second, it's over, and it's like, <laughs> what, what just happened? My little cousin Roman... <laughs> was not allowed to watch any R movies until he, I think until he turned like 12 or 13 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I remember I was trying to watch Grand Budapest with him and Auntie April was like, she's like, oh, what's the rating? And I was like, oh, it's, I, I wasn't like lying. I was like, oh, PG-13, just because mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I'd seen the movie twice before. I was yeah. like, there's no way Grand Budapest Hotel is rated. That's not, that's not an R film. No. You know? And then, like, we're watching it, 15 minutes in, I know, like, there's, and it's always, like, that one scene that just makes the movie R. Right. It's when they're hosing the big, the big guy off, and he's just naked. Yeah. Roman well, lost his that. shit. <laughs> Auntie April comes in, she's like, what's, she's like, you know, I, I know my son wouldn't be laughing at something if, you know, what's going on here? And then she, like, looks, and she's like, like, she didn't care. Yeah. But she's like, she's like, oh, like, I didn't know, like, they can show full nudity now? And I was like, oh, I don't know, and I clicked back, I was like, wait, it's R? And she's oh, it's like, R? It's Grand Budapest Hotel is R. Oh, what? Can That's you believe great. that? I had no idea. Well, I guess I just uh, Let's gave, see what, uh, gave that answer away. I mean, I would assume that Asteroid City is probably also R then. Isn't that weird? But here, I'm, I'm just going to I'm just gonna show you. Okay, so check this out. Yep, Grand Budapest Isn't is rated R. Just like that, I would show my kid, like, I would show like my 10 and 12 year old, like, Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, I completely forgot that there was nudity in there. I mean, it's not even a. Okay, and then let's look at Asteroid City. That's crazy. It is not rated? <laughs> There's no rating on there? I'm it's like, random. okay, I want to see if my kids can see this. Are you able, are you able to tell me? Asteroid there it City? is. Okay, wait. You gotta click on it, I think. It's is it gonna is it gonna tell me? Overview. Try I guess searching for the rating. What is Asteroid City rated? 
Oh, oh, it is PG-13. PG-13? For brief graphic nudity. I was pretty graphic already. Uh, yeah, full frontal nudity. It's pretty graphic, I'd say. Maybe if it lasted longer than half a second, it would push it to R. You think I the... do not get how the MPAA works. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. No, there's no rhyme or reason to their, their rating. No. Um, I mean, Titanic is rated PG-13, and it has full frontal nudity, too. What about for a guy, though? Like, can we see a dick and it would still be PG-13? Well, I mean, I guess not, since it Grand Budapest is R and it did. But What's that, going on here? But there's a lot of violence in Grand Budapest as well and a lot of cursing and stuff, so maybe that's also pushed it, helped push it to R. I don't know, though. What's going on here? Something, Something's afoot. This is weird. Um, No, well, that would be a Tarantino movie. But, no. <laughs> Something a foot? Yeah, I was just like, <laughs> I'm gonna nice. make a stupid joke. I'm gonna make a foot joke. Um, no, dude, I, I'm trying to like rack my brain right now. Okay, so that, w- okay, call me crazy, but I, I feel like a PG-13 movie shouldn't earn like a list, a list celebrity like nudity. Yeah, does no, that make sense? No, that should definitely be R. Like that's kind of. I feel like that's like the equivalent of you know like going to McDonald's and being like, okay, um, I'm trying to be healthy today, so can you please give me a diet coke and a salad? Yeah. It's like, uh, well, I mean, not you're not really. It's like, dude, just get a burger and chow down. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just. You might as well just have, like, you know, actual, like, full-on, like, you know, porno, like, nudity. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was like, where is this going yeah, right now? No, no, I'm, I don't know. I'm just saying that uh, I, I think that it's kind of weird that a movie can earn a PG-13 rating and and have, like, all the goods. You know what I'm yeah. saying? yeah. I definitely feel like that should be R. I know. For the only, I mean, if anything, being that, like, okay, you know, son, you don't get to see Scarlett Johansson naked until you're this, you know, old. Mm -hmm. Like, just protect the people who are going into the movie, man. Yeah. Like, they're they're not ready. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, okay, that was a, that's, that's good to know that the, the MPAA is definitely does not make any sense whatsoever none (laughs) or not we already knew that but to kind of reinstate that to have that understanding exactly i mean there's dude it's there's movies that i can i I wonder what like if movies like if someone just like was really bored because you know of this uh this all these um union shutdowns or whatever Mm -hmm. uh the protests Someone just decided, like, you know, from the MPAA, okay, we're going to, like, go through all these popular movies and we're going to re-rate them. Oh, yeah. Like, dude, they would have, like, you know, I, I feel like there's a decent chunk of the P- like the PG movies from, like, the 80s that would get changed to R, like, flat out. Definitely. I don't know how Jaws was PG. <sighs> Crazy that times. scene of him eating the one guy, like, traumatized me. The kid, too. The kid? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yep. Insane. Jeez, man. Um, and uh, I would go ahead and um, I think we're we're good. 
we, we, we discussed uh I think we're good okay I think we I think we pretty much covered we hit the nail on the head yeah definitely awesome um I love it so thank you all for joining this wild uh train to asteroid city um you gotta put a fan in here yeah dude it's getting toasty up in here uh, it's getting warm um but yeah if you want to contact us um and send some questions in to maybe be featured in a future episode um you can send us an email at the miscast review at gmail.com or uh send us a dm on instagram at the miscast review um yeah i think that's pretty much pretty much pretty much everything um have a have a lovely day stay cool and uh yeah, we'll see you next time. Be safe out there, guys. Peace.